The book of Acts chapter 9, I'd like to read a few verses here from this chapter, the book of Acts in chapter number 9, and we'd like to begin reading with verse 1. This is a wonderful story about uh, the salvation of Saul. Verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for another privilege to preach your word. And I realize, oh God, without you I can do nothing. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for that special wisdom. Uh, and the ability to communicate the message in a way that will honor you. Lord, speak to my heart and the hearts of all who have come this way. I pray if there be one unsaved, they'd come to know you. And Lord, that you'd revive our hearts as your people today. Do or work, God, that only you can do. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here we have uh, one of the greatest enemies of Christianity saved. And uh, in, uh, Timothy, I believe it is, he said he was the chiefest of sinners. Uh, and uh, I'm encouraged by the salvation of this man. If God could save Saul, I believe he could save anybody. But what I really want to bring a message on is a phrase from verse number 2 where he uh, gets permission here, desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And, and that uh, phrase there, those couple of words, this way, uh, been on my mind. And uh, I'd like to uh, look at that a little further. Now, you say, well, why didn't they call them Christians? Uh, well, it was in Acts eleven twenty six. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. It was later on that they were given the name of Christian. And so he's talking about Christians here. He's talking about saved people. Have you found any of this way? And uh, later in Acts 19.23, in the same time there arose no small stir about that way. So they had some different phrases to describe Christianity this way and that way. This happened at Ephesus there, and there was a great stir among the silversmiths about the goddess Diana, uh, and uh, they t 
call, call the Christian way that way. And then in Acts 24, 14, as Paul is given his uh, testimony, but he said, This I confess unto thee, that after the way, which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believe in all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. So now it is changed from this way and that way unto the way. And uh, this goes along with what Jesus said in John 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So this way is the only way. First of all, it's the redemption way. Jesus said, I am the way. It's a way of redemption. In Acts 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Someone say, you're too dogmatic. Well, you know, the Bible's a pretty dogmatic book. And Jesus was quite dogmatic himself. Uh, he said, I'm the way, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Uh, and there's not any salvation in any other. I want you to turn to uh, Matthew 7, if you will, please. And let's look at some scripture there. Matthew 7, verse 13. And uh, he says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, here's the comparison of the two ways. The broad way and the wide gate. The easy way. I used to picture this in my mind as the broad way being the interstate highway where you can make uh, uh, 55. Now they've said uh, the government is uh, no longer going to enforce the federal uh, speed limit so states will be free to set their own speed limit. Was it Montana said no speed limit? Man. Uh, but uh, uh, that, I used to picture that in my mind. And then the narrow way has kind of a little winding mountain road winding around through the mountains. But it's not that way. You know where the narrow road is? It's in the middle of the broad road going the opposite way. And you wonder why you have problems. <laughs> well, that's the reason. Uh, so he talks about the broad way and the narrow way. And, uh, you know, this road, this way that Jesus said he's the only way. Uh, being on the right road is, is very important and very necessary. You know, it does not matter how good the road is if you're on the wrong road. Let's say I want to go to Bakersfield. I decide I'm going to take Interstate 40 because that's a better road. I'll never get to Bakersville. Interstate 40 don't go there. <laughs> and so uh, being on a good road is not the most important thing. Being on the right road is what's most important. 
And uh, then he goes on in verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we not prophesied in thy, thy, thy name. Oh, you mean preachers? In thy name have cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity. He didn't say I used to know you. He said I never knew you. And notice they prophesy, they cast out devils, and do many wonderful works. And the Lord said, I don't even know you. Is it possible to do that and not even know the Lord? Well, evidently. Then he gives an illustration of this. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine doeth them not should be lacking to no foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What caused the house to fall? You say the storm. No, the foundation. The storm blew on the other house. It didn't fall. You know, the trials, I think, bring out what we really are. And so the foundation, and 1 Corinthians 3 said, Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So that's the foundation to build on, is the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the way of redemption, the way that he bought and paid for with his own precious blood. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Ephesians 1.7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption through his blood. This way is purchased by Jesus Christ. I heard a story one time about an Indian. This missionary was a missionary to the Indians, and he was uh, trying to win this chief to the Lord. And he said, no, I followed Indian way all my life. I'm going to keep following Indian way. And time went on. And come time, the old man was getting ready to die, the old chief. And when he got started dying, he called for the missionary. He said, Indian road ends here. I believe I'll take Jesus' road. And I want to tell you that Jesus' road doesn't end in death. It goes right on through it. I like that psalm where he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. It goes all the way through it, thank God. Comes out on the other side. And that's the difference in Jesus' road and all other roads. Uh, like uh, the story of, uh, you know, the Christian uh, that was talking to this Egyptian official. And they came to the point, uh, they were discussing the uh, Christianity and, and the Muslim uh, religion. And uh, uh, the 
uh, Christians said, according to the Scriptures, uh, Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, the Muslims said, we have no record of Muhammad after his death. You know, there's the distinction in it. There's the difference in this road. This way, he says, this road, this way is the redemption way or the Jesus way. Then not only that, but it's the righteous way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, you say, well, it doesn't make any difference where you go to church. doesn't make any difference what you believe. Uh, you know, one religion is good as another. All roads lead to heaven. Some, some preacher said it's kind of like going to the post office. You know, said you can go take this road and go to the post office. You can take another route, end up at the post office, take another route, end up at the post office. Said that's just like a religion. Everybody's trying to get to heaven. Everybody just taking a different road. Other preachers said this one difference. We're not going to the post office. We're going to heaven. <laughs> and uh, all roads don't lead to heaven. Uh, they may go to the post office, but uh, all roads don't lead to heaven. It's the right way. There's a right way and the wrong way. Jesus told the Samaritan woman, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There is a right way and there is a, a wrong way. I remember about hearing this story about this pilot. Said uh, He came on the intercom and he said, I have good news and bad news. The bad news first. The bad news is that we are lost. I have no idea where we're at. The good news is, says we're making good time. Well, I don't think he had any good news, do you? But uh, thank God, thank God we have good news today. And there is a right way and there is a wrong way. And Samuel says in 1 Samuel 12, 23, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and right way. There is a right way. And a preacher that's worth his salt is going to tell people the right way, whether people like it or not. He said, I'm going to teach you the good and the right way. And that indicates to me there's a wrong way. Uh, the good and the right way. In 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-one, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all them that trust in him. God's way is perfect. It's been tried and tested. His way is the good and right way. It's a perfect way. You can't find any fault with it. I hadn't found any fault. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. You can find fault in me and I can find fault in you, but you can't find any fault in Jesus. And that's what I, when I go out witnessing, they say, well, you know, this preacher and this church member and this church and this, that, and the other, uh, you know, and I always come back, it's Jesus that we put our trust in. I'm not asking you to put your trust in me, I'll fail you. Don't put your trust in anything else. Put your trust in Christ. He never fails. And so his way is perfect. Psalm 119, verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before thee, before me. 
Isaiah 35, 8 said it's a way of holiness. And that's the, that's the, the some people have a problem with that. But I'm going to tell you, when God saves a man, he changes a man. I believe that. Not, not the reverse, not the opposite way. We don't change the get saved. That's works. But when we get saved, we're changed. And that's what God does. We're changed because of the work of his grace. But it's a way of holiness. And God wants us to be holy. He wants us to be separated. He wants us to look like Christians and act like Christians and talk like Christians. He wants us to be a Christian. It's a holy way, this way, this way. Uh, if he found any of this way, he could bring them bound. Now, you think of that. How could, how could he identify? There they must have been something about those that were this way. <laughs> he got permission. If he found any of this way, how's he going to find them? I'll tell you something different about them, right? I mean, there's something different about this, this bunch of fallen Christ. Well, you go in the world today, could you find those that were of this way? You go out in the average uh, factory or the average community, and you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to pick out the Christians. Say, we're going we're gonna to bind. We've come after the Christians. Well, let's look around. I don't see any difference. Who's a Christian? Who isn't? Uh, I read a report years ago about the young communist that visited this country and when he began to leave, when he started to leave, they, they asked him what is, uh, uh, you know, the things he had learned about America and all. And he said one of the most amazing things is he couldn't tell the difference between one who claimed to be a Christian and one who did not. But there ought to be a difference. And Saul of Tarsus evidently could tell the difference. And he had permission to bind those. I want to tell you, this way is a way of holiness. God calls us to a life of holiness. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, the Bible says. If we're going to say we're Christian, then we ought to live like it. If we're not going to live like it, then don't profess to be. Uh, it's a way of holiness. We visited uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago a fellow that... Uh, few months ago, uh, seemingly was on fire for God. And uh, uh, when he come to the door, uh, he had uh, long hair and had uh, uh, earrings at uh, some of the most unusual places. He didn't have to say anything. But I'll tell you, I admire the fellow for one thing. He said, I don't claim to be nothing. He said, I used to serve God, used to be saved and so forth. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, he, he admitted, I don't think he ever was saved myself, but uh, uh, he admitted his condition. But I want to say before he even said anything, you could tell by looking at him. The crowd he identified with. And that will be something about us. There ought to be anything about our appearance that would put a question mark. Who do they belong to? Are they a Christian or not? This way is a way of holiness. Let me move on. 
It's an equal way, Ezekiel 18, 25 and 29. The Lord, he said, you say, you say my ways are not equal. He said, I, my ways are equal. God has no respect to persons. And this way is equal. It's available to whosoever will. What could be more equal than that? It don't make any difference what color you are. It make any difference what social position you may have. It don't make any difference where you live, how much money you got. It makes no difference. It's an equal way. God's way. God has one book, one Bible for everybody. He don't have one set of rules for the preacher and another set of rules for the congregation. His way is equal. God's way is. I want to tell you, His way is the way of truth. He said, I am the way of the truth. His way is the right way. Now, 2 Peter 2.15 said, They have forsaken the right way and are gone astray. And 2 Peter 2.21 said, It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, and after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. And then verse 22, he illustrates it. Not a very pleasant illustration right here before lunch. But nevertheless, one that's necessary, he said, it's like the dog returning to his own vomit again. You know, I could never understand that. He eats again that that made him sick to start with. But you know, that's about like some church members. <laughs> uh, isn't it? The thing gets us in trouble a lot of times. We'll go right back to the same old hog pen, the same old sin, the same old thing that got us in trouble to start with. Just like a fellow getting drunk. You know, he works and lives for the weekend when he can get drunk and get sick and get over it and then work another week to go get drunk again and get sick again. Isn't that smart? Talk about the depravity of man. Man is certainly a depraved creature. Isn't he? He's even more depraved than an animal. Talk about a dog doing that. <laughs> you know, people are just as bad or worse. And the sow that was washed to a wallowing in the mire. That's the nature of a pig. Uh, heard about this pig that they say a pig can be trained. Uh, you know, they, 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 some people have these Vietnamese pigs or whatever they call them. They don't get very big. But anyway, this pig had been trained. and uh, If you put some letters of the alphabet down, the pig would pick at G-O-O-D-P-I-G, good pig. Had a ribbon around it. Had it all cleaned up. One day, the pig got loose from the circus. You know where they found it? wallowing in the mud hole because that was the nature of a pig and they couldn't change its nature. And the Lord is teaching us there until a man's nature is changed. You can set him on a church pew and put a Bible in his arm, but he's not going to be any different until his nature's changed. I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. I love this scripture. Jeremiah 6, verse 14. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people, slightly saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. 
Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall at the time that I visit them. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls, the old paths. But they said, we will not walk therein. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. They said, We're not listening. and We're not obeying. We're not walking. We're going to do as we please. You know, there's not a whole lot of difference now. The average church member pays no attention to the preaching. Fars will change lives. I mean, a lot of people go to church and they want to be entertained. Make me feel good. Entertain me. Say nothing about my sin and don't expect me to change. I don't care what you preach. I'm going to do what I please. I've had people tell me that. I'm going to live, live like I want to. I don't care what you say. Well, my job's to preach. Your job's to obey or disobey. That's between you and the Lord. But they say we're not listening and we're not changing. We're not going back to the old past. God help us. Isaiah the prophet said in Isaiah 30, 21, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. That's that spirit of God if you're saved. You know, when you, God calls us in this straight and narrow way, and when you veer off to the right, the Spirit of God says you get back on the road here. You veer off to the left and the Spirit of God says you get back on the road here. Just like driving down interstate, you know, they got those, those shoulders. Well, haven't they got a mess down the road here? I'll tell you. I realize they have to repair it. And you have to live with it. But, uh, you know, they, you're driving down the concrete and you have that, uh, you know, that shoulder and you veer off on that, it sounds different. That's to wake you up, get you back on the road. And I'm glad for the Spirit of God that when I veer off to the left or the right, He gets my attention and says, you get back on the road. He convicts us. The truth does that. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. And then He said, thank God I'm the life. This regeneration way regeneration Proverbs 15 24 the way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath that's a pretty good incentive isn't it you know what the alternative is it's hell boy when I was growing up they talked about hell fire and brimstone preaching them old preachers and make it hot you felt like your feet is burning one lady told me, said, I don't want to go to church at preachers like that. I don't want my kids scared. I'd rather my kids get scared than go to hell. I'll tell you, I got scared. I got real afraid. Oh, my college preached hell hot. I knew I was going to hell. And salvation, the way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. Jeremiah 21, 8, and, 
And unto this people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Now there's the two choices. He said, Here it is. Here's the way of life. Here's the way of death. You want to take the way of life? I'll give you heaven. I'll give you a glorified body. I'll let you live forever. The alternative, the other choice, is death and hell and destruction. That's only two choices. There's no middle ground. It's the way of life and the way of death. The psalmist prayed in Psalm 139, 24, he said, Leave me in the way everlasting. And Hebrews 10, verse 20 says, It's a new and a living way. I want to tell you, this way is the way of life. Man's greatest desire is to be, is to live. You know, they say, they say a carrot, if you hem a carrot up, he'll kill you. He don't want to fight. He's afraid to fight. But if he thinks he's going to die, he'll kill you. Because that drive to live is a tremendous power. That's why death is tough. Because we don't want to die. Death is unnatural. Man wasn't made to die. God designed the human body. If it worked properly, it would never die. But that death, that seed of death is planted in there. Sin and death. And that drive to live. That's why doctors say you have six months to live and a man will live two years when he is eat up, absolutely consumed by cancer. That drive and desire to live. Would God we had that kind of desire for God? Would God this old sin-cursed world would have that desire for eternal life? I don't want to go to hell and burn forever. It's a new and a living way, he said. It's a way of life. You want to live? Jesus told there when he went to raise Lazarus from the dead, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Timothy said he's abolished death. You're not talking about physical death. But he's abolished death. And if you're a child of God one day, you'll change destinations and you'll change countries from this old world to eternal world there. But there's no separation from God. Acts 13, 39, And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you cannot be justified by the law of Moses. And I want to give you in closing a scripture from the book of Titus. The book of Titus chapter 3, if you want to look at it, page 1284 in your Schofield Bible, Titus 3 and verse 5 through 7. <clears throat> well, let me read verse 4. But after that the kindness and love of God, their Savior toward man appeared, that's grace, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration. That's that new birth. And renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Been born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's something has to happen to you to go to heaven. You say, what do I have to do to go to hell? Nothing. Just don't get saved. You must be born again.
That's what Jesus said. You must be born again. He said, if we find any of this way, we find any of them Jesus people. We find any that's following the truth, those people that won't be swayed, those people, a bunch of dogmatic people. They believe what they believe and they're not swayed to believe a lie. They believe the truth. They think they're the only ones right. Now, I don't think I'm the only one right. I think everybody else believes like I believe is right. <laughs> that don't mean we have to believe in every detail, <laughs> every little detail. But I'm talking about the fundamentals. The belief Jesus Christ is the only way to have your sins forgiven. The only way to get to heaven is through him. I'm talking about people believe that. I mean, you find people like that. They follow of Jesus. They think they're right. And they believe that's the only way to get to heaven. <laughs> you can't get there any other way. I mean, that bunch of dogmatic crowd, they don't believe nobody's going except those are going through Jesus. He said, I want permission. If I find anybody like that, <laughs> I can put them in prison and have them put to death for their faith. Well, I'll tell you, before he ever found any of this way, before he ever got to him, God got to him, didn't he? Yeah, the Lord intervened in his life, shined a light from heaven, knocked him off of his beast there, blinded him for three days, three or four days there, and changed his life forever. And they not, may not have been a a light shined from heaven like that when God saved you. But there was a light shined in your soul that changed you forever. If you're saved, you'll never be the same. Someone said, I'm not what I ought to be, not what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be either. I'm different. I'm changed. Jesus changes lives. Aren't you glad of that? He changes lives, changes hearts. I'm glad, thank God, I'm among the crowd that's this way, this way. I plead guilty to being a Christian. Let's bow our heads.